I have friends again. Welcome back to the Pete the Planner show. Last week, the solo I talked to random people on the internet edition of the show. I have convinced my coworker to return from vacation and he joins me now. Hello, Damian Dunn. Hello, Peter Dunn. No relation. Uh, Kristen uh, is on vacation this week. uh, And then uh, I think I'm actually in Salt Lake City next Friday. So I don't think there's a show next week. Okay. Well, it's uh, it's a great week to be here then. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty spotty situation. Um, welcome, everybody. Thanks for being here uh, today. Dame, uh, some some interesting topics today. I, the state of Indiana, as we will talk about, is re- refunding money to everybody, tax revenue, that, that is a surplus. And so everyone gets 225 bucks, all right, additional. And so there's a lot of confusion around this and it's really weird because we're in the midst of a recession. Uh, we're in the midst of high inflationary periods. So it's like, is this a good idea? How's it work? Who's upset? We're actually going to talk about it from a lot of different sides. Jeremiah asked if we're doing call roulette again today. No. Did you guys like that though? I'm curious for those, uh, watching the live stream right now on uh, Facebook live, YouTube live or Twitter. Uh, just let me know. Do you like the live stream? Was it, a, was it a good thing? I, I didn't mind it. Dame, did you catch any of it? Uh, I caught about five minutes of it, and it gave me, uh, you know, throwback vibes of of the way the, the show kind of used to be, but now with video. So uh, I think you do a great job with, with situations like that. And I, frankly, if you want to kick me off the show more often, I'm okay with it. Well, I really appreciate the kind words. Dame, we got to get together and play some top golf this week. Uh, our full game, uh, their scores were had, and how'd you do? I, I hit some balls out in the right direction. You fancy yourself a golfer? I think you have to play more frequently than I do to fancy yourself a golfer. Yeah. How'd third place taste? I mean, seeing as how I didn't pick any balls up off the mat and throw them at a target, I, I'm okay with third place because I, I think some people did that might have finished higher than me. That was in a game that was abandoned in the actual game I won. And I will also note, for a guy that practices Krav Maga, where it doesn't appear there's any rules, it's just about winning, uh, a, a little toss into a, 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 a bucket, who cares? A bucket. No one cares. All right, Dame, you want to start the show or no? Do you have anything else you want to go? How was vacation? You well-rested, uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it was uh, it was great. Got to see uh, some beach. Got to see some mountains, and uh, got to eat uh, more than my fair share of donuts. So it was a great vacation. A uh, little inside baseball, behind the scenes action. Uh, we'll share with people just prior to going to air this morning. Your Mrs. Uh, Planner uh, brought you a cinnamon roll out to your studio there. Yeah, I. Uh... I devoured it. If needed, we were going to delay the start of the show so I could enjoy every bite. 100 percent true. My wife is in Orlando at a gymnastics meet with my daughter, uh, but I, I do want to say uh, my daughter got uh, fifth at nationals. Uh, Ollie got fifth at nationals last night, which was ten years of hard work. She's 13. She started doing gymnastics when she was three. Has always wanted to go to nationals, and so congrats to Ollie on a lot of hard work, and congrats to Mrs. Planner and I for for. <laughs> funding that effort (laughs) nice job everyone oh yeah happy uh friday uh andrea 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 andy oh it's andy from last week on the show oh yeah we're best friends um okay so let's start the show um do 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 people love this part three two one This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. Then we'll answer your questions. Joining me, fresh off vacation, Damien Dunn. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. Damien is the vice president of advice at your money line, yourmoneyline.com. Dame, uh, you were on vacation. You were refreshed. You saw Top Gun. The people want a, a very quick review. What do you think? Uh, good movie. 
thought it leaned really hard into some nostalgia stuff at times, but but that's okay. I didn't mind it. Uh, and I really appreciated that you didn't have to see the first one to enjoy the second one. But if you have seen the first one, little bits and pieces will pop out uh, that will catch your ears and, and just give you a warm, fuzzy feelings. Can I take a 10-year-old boy to it? I mean, my son, not just some random 10-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I... I think so. Uh, there was the, uh, the the one scene that might have been a little questionable in the first movie to, yeah. to take a 10-year-old to. Yeah. Uh, there is a similar scene which involves people that are nearly 60 years old, uh, wow. but very, uh, very more tastefully done. Okay, great. Um, Dame, uh, so something interesting happened uh, this week in Indiana where we uh, host this show. Uh, the governor... Eric Holcomb, proud high school, uh, Pike High School grad and Hanover College grad, just like yours truly, announced a plan to return $1 billion of state reserve taxpayer money back in an effort to make up for rising inflation. Under the current plan, each taxpayer would collect about $225 in addition to the $125 they are currently getting from the state's automatic taxpayer refund. So, I had various news uh, stations calling me this week to get my take on this. And so, Dame, at first glance, though, are is this a stimulus payment? Are you viewing this as a stimulus payment? And even if it's not a stimulus payment, doesn't it have the same effect as a stimulus payment? Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to view it as a stimulus payment. I think a lot of people are even going to promote it as a stimulus payment. In reality, it's just the state returning money that they don't need, which I frankly, I'm happy to live in a state that, that does that. Uh, and it's happened a handful of times over the last um, you know, couple of decades where we've we've gotten some some cash back. So is it a stimulus? No, I don't think so. Uh, are some people going to tie it to uh, the, the situation we're facing with inflation and costs kind of going crazy? Yeah, yeah, they're going to. So I think anybody's going to be able to view it basically whatever that way they want. And nobody's going to be wrong. It's the best of all situations, Pete. I will say when the, when the federal government had a stimulus program in the last two years, it was with money they didn't have. <laughs> and so you could say, uh, well, give us the stimulus money. It's our taxpayer money anyway. That, that's what you could have said that in the last two years, but you would have been wrong because it was money that was being printed. In this situation, it... it, it it could be argued that it's a stimulus, but it's it is our money. It's it's taxpayer money that has been paid in. They didn't need. They're giving back, and the justification here is they're saying because inflation is so high and we don't want to lower the gas tax in Indiana, what we're choosing to do is to give you this money. So then it'll hopefully make up for the shortfall. So what was interesting is some of the news stations were asking me about this yesterday. The question kept coming up well, what should people do with this money? What's the best way to spend it? Or what's the best way to invest $225? This is always an interesting question. But Dame, the bigger point is this. If this really is for the inflationary times in which we live, the money is already spent. It's just replenishing what had already been absorbed. If, if you went to the grocery store the last five times, the $225 you're getting is making up for the gap in what your groceries should have cost and what they do cost. And, and I think that's the bigger issue. So I'm a little, it's just a really kind of a weird effort here. It's, it's a, a, a well appreciated said. effort. Oh. Yeah. Thanks. It's an appreciated effort on, on the, the state's part, but how much of a difference this will make a tangible difference this will make in people's lives it'll be very short-lived if, if it lasts more than a week for most people um i would be surprised but you're exactly right the the way that costs have increased over the last couple of months and will continue to increase for likely a few more months to go 225 dollars is i could even call it a band-aid uh, at this point uh, part of a band-aid maybe one of those little tiny circle band-aids that you put on something not a full-size uh, one i will say uh, you know it's seven hundred dollars for a household of two you know <laughs> so right joint filer so seven hundred dollars but but i would also there's a couple things here number one in some of these news stories they, they're asking taxpayers do you think this 225 dollars per adult is it enough 
which is sort of a strange question because if it's a tax refund, it, it, it's not a question of whether it's enough. It's what is there. This isn't mm-hmm. printed money. We're not we're not doing what the federal government did. Right. So I find that a very weird question. And the answer that it's not enough is both obvious and then also makes no sense. Right. The, the purpose of this um, payment or refund isn't to fix everything. It's simply to return some cash to the the people who live in the state and hopefully it will assist them in covering whatever expenses they deem that they need to spend it on. It's it, 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 you can't directly compare the, the two situations. All right. So I also, uh, you know, I, I try to look at perceived political issues as, as agnostic as possible. So I'm going to try to do that here. There is complaints uh, from Democrats in Indiana that this is just an effort to buy votes. And I I disagree with that particular assessment in this situation. And sometimes uh, the Republicans on a federal level are saying that the Biden administration is doing things in order to buy votes. And I, sometimes I agree. And a lot of times I disagree there. A tax refund in the midst of, of this economy, I, I, I don't see how that's buying votes other than the argument is, fix the roads, pay teachers more, which which are va- very valid arguments, but I also don't view this as buying votes. No, I don't either. I When it comes down to arguments like that or complaints like that, I, either party is liable to make them depending on if they're the party in power or not. So uh, when we get, or when we see or hear complaints like that lobbed out there, take them not with just a grain of salt, but maybe two or three. Yeah, I think ultimately with this thing, here's what I want people to do with this money. Literally nothing. I, I, I just just it, it, sit, put it in your account because inflation is bad and you were spending so much more. Dame, I was on the south side of Indianapolis last weekend um, at a Costco getting gas and a guy pulled up next to me in a BMW mm-hmm. and he fills up his gas tank and then starts screaming at the gas pump, uh, profanity. I mean, this is true. Um, and, and then also lobbying uh, blame at the president. <laughs> he basically did like a um, an audio visual. Um, I did this Joe Biden sticker, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which I've already said I don't like. Although I think it's funny. I think it's vandalism. But he's like really upset. And I'm thinking there's a huge impact on all of our budgets right now. And I think not enough people are changing their habits. It's okay sometimes to absorb price increases as we all do our entire adult lives. This is not the time. This is the time to cut spending because we're going to be in this inflationary environment at least for the another, another six months. And so that is to say, if you are not cutting spending, no matter your income level, you are making a giant mistake. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, you need to make sure you've got these things reined in so you can control at least one aspect of your financial um, month-to-month um, dealing. So get things under control, guys. Is that cinnamon roll like stuck in your mouth? Yeah, it is. I'm sorry. Coming up after the break, Dane will clear his throat and we will clear up your financial life right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. It's really hard to talk when you're not sure if cinnamon roll is going to come flying out of your mouth. (laughs) Well, thanks to Cassie for making that happen by bringing you a cinnamon roll. It was delicious and I regret nothing. I also note, and this is probably sharing, when she left your your studio there, she dropped off, brought you a cinnamon roll. How long have you guys been married? 19 years. Dropped off a cinnamon roll, said hi to me, and then on her way out said, I love you. Yeah. That's did she now the question is did she say it to you, me? Do you not do did that? She say it, <laughs> did she say it to me or did she say it to you? I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but if you need that uh, that question floating around your head to make your day a little bit better, go right ahead. Boy, that cinnamon roll is hanging on for dear life. <laughs> I, I am I am in trouble. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you have any liquids? Yeah, I'm I'm trying. Okay. I'm trying. <laughs> That's gross. Okay, you know, Dane, we're actually going to go to the um, the the retirement segment now. Okay, jumping ahead. Mm-hmm. There it is. Okay. 
Um, I think people are pining for the days of the solo Pete the Planner show right now, listening to me choke on cinnamon roll. FL says, uh, cringing at the price of international flights to visit family this summer, um, but we are determined to go, trying to cut spending in other areas and earn more through side hustles. I, 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 uh, I know we've been talking about inflation a lot the last few weeks on the show when we've been able to broadcast. Dame, I don't. I think people like to complain about it, and, and then have it affect them. But they're not willing to change their behavior to mm-hmm. try to lessen it. D- do you see? I mean, you, 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 I guess people don't call our line and complain about inflation. But w- what do you think? You think my, I'm wrong in, in my assertion that people are actually not adjusting their behavior right now? Oh, I, I don't think many people are doing anything different or at least significantly different. Uh, they may be cutting back in some areas, but they may be spending it in others. Uh, I think there was an article in the wall street journal last week, maybe that said, uh, spending is either the same or, or maybe slightly up, but people are digging into savings and just yeah. depleting savings right now to, to maintain their lifestyle. And that's exactly what we can't do because, I don't anticipate any more major stimulus uh, benefits coming from the government uh, from here on out. So it's on us now. We're, we're going to have to figure out how to make sure we're maintaining a relatively sound financial household. And if that means cutting back spending and, and making changes, that's what it's going to take. This is a very crit- It sounds like a very critical statement I'm going to make here. And it inarguably is, uh, but I don't say it judgmentally. Not a lot of people paid attention in high school economics, and that's becoming abundantly clear right now. Well, to be fair, high school economics is really boring for a lot of people, and I, I don't totally blame them. But yeah, some some very fundamental econ knowledge would, would go a long way. I will say there's some incredibly good news in the last couple of days with the economy is that mortgage applications are like a 22-year low. Um which is great. That's how the, that is good. I, I know if you're a realtor, it's not good. Or if you're a mortgage broker, it's not good. But for our economy, it's fantastic. That means that uh, the interest rate increases are starting to take effect, which is what we want. Uh, which is, you know, to the point of this, st- you know, this $700 from the state of Indiana. If people take that and go spend extra, if they if they try to go buy goods and services with it, the inflation inflation is just going to keep going up, and supply chain yes. issues are going to keep suffering. If you sit on the money, you are actually helping the economy. Believe it or not. Yeah. Well, what did I say, tell you the other day that uh, the the savings rate in 2020 was 15, percent which is the highest it had been in forever. Then I think last year it was 8% and this year it's tracking even lower. So we're, you and I both saw this coming. I think everybody knew it, that it was reasonable. They were, you know, everybody was, was cooped up and, and trying to figure out what, what was going to happen next. And once we, we all got released back out into the wild, we started spending (laughs) money and we haven't really slowed down since even to our own detriment in in many cases. So uh, I think it's time to say that, uh, fun party time is is over and we need to get back to a a reasonable budget in our own households. I'm going to ask you a really loaded question. And so before I do that, I want to know from you, do you want me to ask this to you blind on the air and have it become the next segment? Or do you want me to ask it to you now and have a longer interlude between segments? How how long have you known me, Pete? All right. So let's go on the air. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Are you ready? You knew what my answer was going to be. So if, if you wanted to do it blind on the air, you should have just done it. I just want you to know that you're going to be so uncomfortable because not only you don't like doing this, but because it's a slightly controversial topic. So you're going to love how do you, it. How do you feel about dead air, Pete? <laughs> okay. If you have to, <laughs> if you had to hit a pickleball shot back to me, I'll take it because I'm willing to answer it. Okay. And, and, and by the way, um, I want to say, I'm trying to say this, um, be as honest as you want to be, but Ooh. don't feel like, <laughs> but, but don't feel like, don't feel like you have to overshare. Okay. Okay. I'm going to share how I feel. 
And, and if you're uncomfortable sharing your true feelings, if, if they're different, you don't share them. Are we really doing the re- retirement segment? Nope. I'm, 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 I'm calling an audible. <laughs> okay. We're doing it third. Hey, Brian Pinkins. Welcome to the show. Um, Brittany, I could preface it some more. Dame, um, here we go. Oh my gosh. This is where it gets good. Welcome back, everybody. All right. Uh, three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame, you know, we were talking inflation. We were talking about how weird the economy is right now. And I have a question for you. But before I ask that question, I have to say, when everyone was terrified in 2020, spring, summer, fall of 2020, we knew personal finance habits were going to be amazing. People were so scared and the economy was closed. You made brilliant decisions. You said it uh, between the, at the break, uh, 15% was the savings rate. Yes. Phenomenal. We knew when stimulus payments started and we were let back into the wild, those are your words, Mm -hmm. that spending was going to go crazy in 2021. And it did. Right. We called this. Yeah. Yeah. We also knew that a stimulus dollars dried up, advanced child tax credits stopped, that 2022 was going to be one of the weirdest economic personal finance years ever. And six months into this thing, do you think we have, it is weird. Do you think it's weird? Oh yeah, totally. Final uh, qualifier question before I uh, unleash the big one on you. (laughs) Okay. You ready? Do you think it's going to get weirder in September if student loan payments become due uh, once again? Do you want a simple yes or no question or answer? No, go ahead. We got time, baby. I think it's a really interesting question because depending on the amount that could be forgiven would impact a lot of the individuals or the determine... Um, the socioeconomic, I know the, the, the socioeconomic position of a lot of the individuals and how they might go out and use that money, uh, if, if it became suddenly available to them in their, um, in their cash flow. So I would say that spending would pick up somewhat, but I don't know if it'll pick up as much as some people fear, especially if it goes with the the smaller amount. Okay. Well, I was saying like with student. Okay. So we're talking about two different things. You're talking about forgiveness. Oh, sorry. I'm talking yes. about payments are going to be due again on student loans. The moratorium. Oh, 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 sorry. Yeah. So I was uh, thinking, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. I think, I think uh, <laughs> we'll see some really crazy stuff and lots of calls for student loan forgiveness because people can't uh, manage to work their student loan payment back into their budget and defaults will just go through the roof. Yeah, I also want to say, I don't think forgiving $10,000 of student loans is actually going to impact the economy in, in one way or the other because these are payments that aren't being made right now for the most part anyway. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, so here's the big question. The one I've set up for now three minutes of radio and four minutes between segments. Do you think the stimulus payments to Americans in 2020 that President Trump gave and in 2021 that President Biden gave, do you think they were a mistake? No, I don't. Um, that's it's, it's your I mean, real answer. N- how about uh, how about not all of them? I, okay. I I really wish I really wish it would have been more nuanced uh, because you and I both know that was the only thing standing between uh, keeping the head above water for in some cases and just absolute ruin uh, for for individuals. Uh, I think there was some great work that was done trying to salvage businesses, uh, small businesses particularly, but. The, to be fair, there wasn't enough time for a, a well-devised, thought-out plan on how to really needs test a lot of this stuff and uh, it really target where those payments were going. So they did what they they thought they could do, just carpet bomb the country with money. And now we are seeing the after effects of it. Okay. So by the way, I, I think we mostly agree here. All right. But but I, I and I also want to say we're we're not trying to be cynical. We're, we're not trying to go. It's obvious. 
Because I think sometimes with these problems, these big decisions that we ask our leaders to make, our government leaders, they're really hard decisions. It is a yeah. rock and a hard place. And when we're so divided, you just get on the other side of it. You're like, come on, it's obvious. It's like, no, 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 no. This is hard. They either don't do it or they do it. And either one's a hard decision and they have to ride with it. So I'll say the first round of direct stimulus payments in April of 2020, I think was the right decision. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. Then we get into the other rounds. Didn't the other rounds start like in December of 2020? It seems right. And, and that one, I, I don't think we should have done, but I, I understand why we did. Do you, do you remember that one? I'm trying to remember what each of the, the three rounds was because then you've got the, the um, child tax credit in there as well. I, I, every, I think every round of stimulus beyond the first one becomes more questionable and reasonably so. Okay, I, I actually, I agree with you to a point here. I think the first round of stimulus made a lot of sense and um, it did lead, you, you could argue it led to some inflation. I will say the next round of stimulus, the next round of direct payments, I think was a mistake and we should not have done it. And I think it really has led to stoked consumer demand and an overheated economy. Now, here's the weirdest part for me, buddy. I am fully in support of the advanced child tax credit, but I think it had the biggest impact on inflation. I think it makes a lot of sense, but coming on the, the heels of those other two stimulus payments, or I think maybe even three, because I feel like once Biden got in or, or something, there was like another one that popped through right at the beginning. Like, I don't even remember. There's people just getting sent money. Um, I, I love the advanced child tax credit, but I think it ended up making the economy overheat. Because the uh, the periodic nature of the payment where you could get some every month, is that is that what you're leaning on? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So you, you get trained to say on the 15th of the month, you're, here comes some money. And then people, because it's an abundance and because there's not student loan payments and people have money to spend. And so they're, they're blown through it. And you can actually see consumer debt increase and you can see uh, savings rates decrease on the back end of 2021 into 2022. And so not only are people spending what's getting sent their way because inflation is starting to take hold, they're spending even more. It's almost like the Pied Piper. It sort of like pulled people along in a, in a really weird way. So I don't know. It's like I'm for the child tax credit, but I think it really led to a lot of this inflation. It's, it's going to be really hard to argue against you on that because anytime you get consistent additional money into your budget, yeah, the temptation to spend it is huge. Even if you don't have a, a glaring need, now you've got this this feeling of uh, of, of empowerment and an ability to go out and, and use that money for whatever the heck you want, even though maybe you shouldn't. So I think you may be onto something, Pete. As, as much as it pains me to say that, I think you might be right. Here's why I bring it up, because the only thing that is going to solve this impending recession, the only thing is for people to stop spending money so aggressively. That's it. Like We don't realize that our personal economy often conflicts with the broader economy. Um, mm -hmm. We were forced to shut down our spending in the spring of 2020 because we were terrified the same thing is on the horizon. It's just sneaking up on us. And, and whoever reacts now and says, I'm going to change my habits is going to be fine. It's the people that say, I'm so glad the economy's back. I'm so glad I don't have to wear a mask. I'm so, you know, like, I think it's the people that, that, that are going to just say, I will not be held back by this inflation that the people are going to get screwed. And by the way, masks really have nothing to do with it other than it, feel, it feels like normal again. Yeah. Yeah, I there's a lot of um, emotional uh, territory that needs to be covered during this this time period, and then lumping finances on top of it, it just conflates everything and makes everything that much more dangerous. Coming up after the break, more danger here on the Pete the Planner Show. 
I knew it was coming. He just wanted to leave me six seconds. Yes. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's 100% fair. All right. Ollie is, um, let's see. Do you have any videos of me dancing in front of the live cameras? Oh, this, that sounds like a really weird text. What? what? Okay, so <laughs> my daughter's at Nationals. <laughs> and there's live stream cameras that you can buy access to because they're not going to put everyone in a ballroom in Orlando. So there's all these different cameras. So I bought access to this. So I'm watching the, um, the January 6th hearings last night on one thing. And I'm watching the girls gymnastics over the internet on another thing. And at one point, Ali is waving to the camera and then dancing. And I'm like texting my wife and I'm like, she's nuts. And then she asked me if I recorded her dancing live on camera. And then that's where the got weird. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you want to do a FaceTime with her live here on the air? Uh, you think it's a good idea? That- that's your call. I mean, I'm sure she loves being on camera, so I, I think right. this would go great. I think we're going to do this. Okay. Oh, okay. Geez. I'm going to regret this. She's going to say something. <laughs> Probably. Great. Okay, here we go. She won't be able to hear you, though. That's okay. Hey, I'm live on the radio right now. How are you? Gosh. Oh, well, no. <laughs> um, wait, here's the thing. You're not on camera. Okay. Okay. We're just talking about your gymnastics meet on the radio. You were? Yeah. Dame, can you hear? Yeah, I can hear. Okay. We're talking about how good you did. Oh, thank you. You want to say hi to everybody? Don't show me. I won't. I'll say hi. Okay, say hi. Hi. Okay. Hi. Have a fun day. Thank you. Wait. What? Do you have any videos of me dancing? I don't have any videos of you dancing <laughs> live streamed on the internet. No, I just, that's weird. Yeah. Sorry. I need it. Okay. Okay. Bye. bye. <laughs> All right. Could you hear her? Okay. What does she need those videos for? I didn't want to ask. <sighs> um. All right. Retirement uh, segment. Fine. Yeah, hey, folks. A uh, little, little behind the scenes uh, information here. We had planned to do this next segment stretched out over three entire segments. So we're going to cram everything that was going to take originally like 25, 27 minutes into nine. So enjoy for the ride you're about to go on. I enjoyed the other two segments. You know, I, that stimulus conversation, as long as, pe- if, as long as you don't politicize it, right? Or during having that discussion, it's really interesting because you can say this hurt us, but it was the right thing to do. And I think ultimately that's where I land with a lot of the stimulus is like it, it, it put us in the situation we're in now, but how much worse would it have been then? I mean, it would have been catastrophic. Yeah. I, I don't even want to think about what it would have been for some families that desperately needed the help and couldn't have gotten it. And I, it's just so, I don't, it's really tough to think about, um, what might have been had the powers that be chosen a different route. And I think it's interesting. So you and I have a bit of a financial background. So I I feel like everyone's entitled to their opinion about this topic. I I enjoy talking about this with you. There's a topic that I won't really talk about too much uh, publicly because I don't have any expertise on it. And it's a lot more nuanced and I'm going to bring it up and then we're not going to talk about it. It's should we have shut everything down? You know? Yeah. Right. That's one that will be debated for years. And then you get into, well, a million people died um, with a shutdown. What would have happened without a shutdown? I mean, it, you have to assume the same million. And I'm saying this with respect. I'm, I'm sorry for everyone who's lost. Do this, the same million people still die with a lockdown, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or w- without a lockdown. Then the question becomes, well, is it? Is it twice that or is it 1.1 that like, what is it? And, and is that worth the shutdown? This is why we're not talking about this, but interesting debate. Totally. There's so many variables that you could throw in to this discussion that are super interesting. Should we have shut? If you look at all the money that was spent in, in the different stimulus packages, could the government have just afford to shut everything down for three weeks, four weeks, 
except for you know groceries and and some some tr- uh, transportation to to get uh, you know the things we desperately need to the places where we can go pick them up and buy them. I don't know. I, I but thought, didn't we do it's, that? It's I mean, really kind of inter- felt like we kind of did that, kind of, kind Early. of. But I think I think there were. Um, I did that. Very, <laughs> yeah, but I I think there was varying um, uh, levels of adherence to to a lot of those uh, rules that were in place across the country. Uh, some places looked uh, kind of the other way. If if you were out and about, and uh, others were were pretty darn strict on it. So I I don't know. I I just wonder how differently things could have been. Uh, it turned out if uh, if things were handled a little differently. Yeah, it's funny because what what you end up discussing, and but I love this conversation. It's just so hard to have because it, it's it's politicized so quickly, and it's not meant to be. It's maybe you save the economy, but is that worth all the additional lives that theoretically would have been lost? Because that's that's what the and you you never can answer that. I can't go. Mm-hmm. Oh well, naturally, uh, it's not one x loss; it's one point seven x loss, and and and. Right. But no one will ever know the answer to this other than the next time we go through something like this, will we find ourselves in the exact same situation? Something tells me if we ever go through this again, and I dare I say when we go through this again, I don't think we will ever shut down again. It'll be really, really tough to, to get the public to buy into it. And that's why I've already started a savings account for an island in the Caribbean so I can just take a boat out there and camp. You better have a hat too, because you are a mm. bald man. Um, Many hats. You ready to talk about this segment that you spent this week working on? Yeah. Fantastic. And three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame. Uh, interesting report came out this week um, from Merrill Lynch. They put it out. JP Morgan. Sure. And what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what am I going to do? Chase around the source? Thank you. Ooh, um, nice. So it was pretty interesting. It was sort of like the state of retirement or something like that. And one of the concepts within this was really well done. Like, I, kudos. Yeah. I, I, you know, as a content creator, I, I happen to think uh, I do a pretty good job of making things easy to understand. I think what's strange sometimes is some of the largest financial institutions in the world do a horrible job of making things easily uh, digestible. Uh, But this one's great. So the concept here is knowing what you can control in retirement and what you cannot as you as you try to achieve your goals. And they did a really good job. So let's walk us through, my man. Yeah. So just as Pete said, there are, um, well, any number of things that you can, can't, or maybe have some control over in retirement. We've got a list of six to, to cover in that. And there are, you know, add your own. It's your own story. You can figure it out. If you have questions about it, send us an email at askpete. <laughs> anyway, uh, what you, where do you want to start, Pete? Some control, all control, or no control? No control. No control. All right. Market returns. Pete. We have seen very recently that you cannot control the market unless you are uh, Elon Musk. I think you can control the market in that way. But no, you can't control it. If you're invested in the markets, you can control how your money is invested, but you can't control the markets themselves. Anything that you try to do to convince yourself otherwise is a fool's errand. Pete, how do you feel about market returns? How do I feel about them or do I feel about within this in within this context? Can you control market returns? No, no. And and I think what the weird thing is, this is where people get themselves into a lot of trouble because they think by just changing their portfolio, they can control market returns. So it's the admission that you just can't, that, that you are better off choosing something balanced and smart and leaving it alone as opposed to over petting the puppy. Uh, I am fully in support of the assertion that you cannot control market returns no matter how much you think you can outsmart the market. We will get to something you can control in that area uh, in another segment. Well, another segment of this discussion. Uh, Something else we can't control, policy, tax policy, stimulus payments. Uh, There's all sorts of things that we have no control over and we just have to be okay with it. Can, can I throw a slight wrench into that? Uh, I agree with you, but I think when you look at 
and this is weird. I can't believe I'm going here. I, I don't really often talk about the billionaire class. I don't really get mm -hmm. upset about billionaires, but I will note what they often try to do is control policy, be and lobbying and whatnot to, to affect that area of their financial life. But, but for the common man or yeah. woman, no, you, you, you can't do anything about that other than learn how to uh, move with the tax code, the right deductions, the right um, loopholes and whatnot. I think that was the smallest, most insignificant wrench you could have thrown into that uh, that point, Pete. Uh, What's a small point, wrench? Point zero 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 one percent of people uh, that that would apply to. So it was the sort of the wrench they give you at IKEA to put together a nine box piece of furniture. It's the smallest wrench in the world. Yes, yes. All right. Uh, what you have some control over: employment duration. How long are you going to work, Pete? Uh, you think uh, we see things going sideways and the uh, economy's a little tough, markets are down. Hopefully, you can continue working. That can solve or at least help patch up a lot of issues that you may be facing when you're staring at retirement or even if you are in retirement. Right, Pete? Yeah. You know what's interesting on this one? So again, the list is what you can't control, what you have some control over, and what you can control. I think... This one's where people mess up the most. I feel like the most unforced errors come in this category. And here's why. People don't account for that they only have some control over their employment duration. That, that's the mistake. It's, it's yeah, you, you have some control, but you don't have all the control. So you'll say, well, my plan is to keep working. That's not always up to you. And I think that's where the challenge happens. And I also ha have to note here too, that um, sometimes people retire too soon. Uh, and so they, they, they punt on their ability to mm -hmm. uh, control their destiny by working longer. Yeah, and we've seen a number of articles uh, in the last couple of months about people returning to the workforce after uh, re retiring in, in 2020 or 2021. But yeah, employment duration you only have some control over it. It's weird to think about, but yeah, that's true. Uh, employment earnings, very, very similar. How much you make during that time period that you are employed. Only some control over that. Does that surprise you, Pete? Um, no, but I would note that what's missing uh, that should be on this line as well is cost of goods and services. Like um, mm. you can you can sometimes control what you earn, and then you can sometimes control what you have to spend money on. Um, in, in these inflationary times, this is a perfect example of like, sure, your your wages might be going up 5% this year instead of 3%, but the cost of goods and services are going up 10%. So you have some control. Correct. All right. What can uh, we control? Can we control asset allocation and location? So this ties back into the ones where we can't control when most people think uh, market returns. Well, these are the things that you can do. You can have a well-allocated and located portfolio. What's location? You're probably asking yourself, does it mean I've got it in a safe in my closet? No. Uh, what I mean by asset location is that you have a tax-efficient portfolio structure. So things that have uh, uh, lower turnover, uh, fewer capital gains or dividends, you know, th those are placed in taxable accounts because they're not going to have that drag on your your taxes uh, and in uh, other things that you know bonds and, and high dividend stocks maybe those are in tax deferred accounts so that's what we mean by tax location i spoke I at a we, women's we, women's conference this week and a person asked me at that conference and by the way why am i speaking at a women's conference i don't know but i was glad to do it but i i, I don't know anyway uh and the person asked me well how do you stay from getting upset when the market does poorly which I think is a really interesting and honest question. And I'll note, I, I think it's just knowledge of how, it's just knowledge. It's, it's knowledge of how the market works. Um, I can tell you what's going on right now I, I with the market. I don't care at all. I'm not upset at all. I didn't think, oh, I have to work longer. I didn't think that once. Where the last big dump, 2007, 2008, or 2009, whatever, I was a little bit cared a little bit more, but now I don't care at all because I think it's just experience and knowledge that mm -hmm. it relates to that. So I'm going too long because I know you've got one other thing to hit that I'm going to completely disagree with. What else can you can control? Yeah, but I'm going to go back and talk about what you just talked about for a minute because I think part of your um, ability to get through times like this is you haven't picked out a date that you want to retire and you don't have 
uh, very firm, fixed goals that are super date dependent other than when your kids go to college. Yeah, those are probably the two things that are most time sensitive. So if the market goes down and it means that in the long run, you end up working for a year or two extra in your mind, it's okay because you hadn't planned on retiring when you were 50. Anyway, you've got the flexibility already built into your perspective that times like these matter less and less. Now, as you get closer to that date, when you think you might retire, that's, that's when allocation. it's going to start digging in. But, so. but see, but I, I'm still, I, if you're knowledgeable and you're close to your retirement, uh, retirement date, then your asset allocation is different anyway. Right. It should be. Yeah. So, I mean, like, Worst case scenario, I've got 33, you know, 23 years until I retire. Mm -hmm. worst, case, worst case scenario. Um, and so when I when I don't get upset about the market, it's through that lens. It's to say, I'm fine. I mean, I think I'm going to retire before that. But but I don't, I don't know. Maybe we're making uh, the same point. We have one less than a minute left. What's the last thing that uh, JP Morgan says you can control? Savings versus investing versus debt reduction versus spending. And I threw an extra one of those categories in there. So Which those are throw in? Uh, debt reduction was the one that I, I, I think added. this, I think this putting spending in there is a mistake. I think you have some control over spending. I, I think sometimes when you don't make a lot of money, you, you, you don't have a lot of choices. Mm -hmm. That's the living wage issue. So yeah, sure. Um, other than that, well done, JP Morgan. Yeah, I even came up with a really snappy little graphic. Nice job. Oh, it looks good on the radio. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week and the news. I'm Pete the Planner. <clears throat> um, okay. You know, uh, since Mrs. Planner is gone uh, for four days this week, and it's just Tito and I... Um, I, within 24 hours, I realized how many thousands of small, otherwise unnoticeable things that Mrs. Planner happens to take care of at our house, that when they aren't taken care of, the whole thing falls apart. Everything's fine, but it's just like, it took 24 hours. I was like, I know, I know she, I know she does those things, but then when they're not happening, it's like, oh my gosh, we're falling apart at the seams. So I, but then I, I, I texted her. I was like, acknowledged that and thanked her. But, but now uh, I've got to probably start doing many of those things. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. But no, it's really, it's, it's visceral. That's, that's no, yeah. It makes a, makes a big difference. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad you said you uh, acknowledged it, thanked her, hopefully told you, uh, told her that you loved her and, do you ever think you want to say one of those sorts? I mean it. I want to say it in a nice, genuine, appreciative way. But I'm always terrified of when I say things that they'll backfire and that it'll come out like I'll come out worse for having acknowledged it. Oh, so you're just noticing after yeah. 20 years. Why do you use that voice? Marriage. Why are you using that voice, Dame? That's offensive. Sorry. Okay. Um, let's go to the biggest waste of money of the week. Um, all right. Okay. Here we go. In three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week, right here on the Pete the Planner show, is the Coleman One Source Travel Vacuum. It's hard to keep a campsite free of dust, dirt, and leaves, but not impossible. The Coleman One Source Travel Vacuum can tidy up tents when the great outdoors gets in. Compact and lightweight, the cordless vacuum is easy to pack, and its bagless design with a reusable dust bowl and filter provides convenient cleanup. Its rechargeable lithium-ion battery has a 40-minute runtime and works with the Coleman's one-source interchangeable battery system. Dame, how much do you think a camping vacuum costs? Too much. There's zero point for this. I, I, I let's um just for the sake of the game uh, i will say uh 79.99 it's 90 bucks but your point is my point there's no reason for a camping vac you're camping yeah, yeah Wait. I mean, the complete waste this might be the biggest waste of money that you've ever ever put out there i agree i when i saw this 
I was like, okay, um, who cares? Like what's, it's the, and let's say you're gone for a week. How do you charge it? 40 well, how, minute uh, runtime. How much of an area are you cleaning? It sounds like they, they want you to use it for a tent. How big is your tent that you, you can't just run it for five minutes and get everything you need? I just don't understand. Okay, so I don't do a lot of camping. Okay, I mean, you probably need to get that out there. Hmm. How much debris that can get sucked up by this thing that looks like a hand drill? It, it looks like a very small Makita drill. Very yeah, small. When they, when they threw leaves into that copy, I thought, it's not sucking up a leaf. That can't suck up a leaf. There's no I, way. The dumbest use of money. Coleman, I, I think you're a great, great company. This is a solution to a problem that no one wants solved. They're not making it. They're just slapping their name on somebody else's product and saying that it's, it's their so it's, No, it's the truth. What's in the news this week? Every year, the Not Real Weddings study reveals the average wedding cost and more official data per state. About 15,000 couples. Yeah, hold on. I'm getting there. <laughs> 15,000 so couples across the country who married between January 1st and December 31st of 2021 participated in the study. While in 2020, we saw a major impact of COVID on weddings. 2021 was a different story. Weddings are indeed back. Get excited, Pete. Okay. Ah. All right. Uh, based on the respondents' answers involving spend on ceremony and reception, the 2021 national average cost of a wedding is... Oh, I'm nervous. I knew it was coming, and I knew it was going to be time to guess, but I'm going to... Um... Danza says 80000 I think that's way too much. I, I, I feel like my guess is too much. Okay. I, I'm going... $28,000, I was going to say 23 and then I changed my mind, but if you want to include the cost of the engagement ring, $34,000. So the average engagement rings, 6,000 bucks. You're good at math, Pete. (laughs) That was a flex on a Friday. Um, $28,000 for comparison, the average cost of a wedding in 2020 during the height of the pandemic $19,000. $19,000. First off, I thought it was going to be nineteen ninety nine because that's one month's uh, subscription to Zoom. Zoom, yeah. Wait, $19,000? Who's spending $19,000 during the pandemic on a wedding? People? I don't know. I, I got to be honest. I have no idea what our wedding costs. Uh, not you and I. We haven't been married yet. But Mrs. Planner and I, and it was in the year 2000. I have no earthly clue. But I, I mean... I, I don't I know think how much mine much. cost. I know how much mine cost. Are you sharing that publicly? Yeah. Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, you want to yeah, guess? Yeah. Well, yeah, I want to guess. Uh, can I ask a couple questions? Sure. How many people? Ooh, good question. Uh, yeah, you kind of got to know. <laughs> Let's say there were uh, between, there's probably around 250 people. You know 250 people? No, my wife's family knows a lot. Okay, that's what I was thinking. I think your wedding cost $10,000. We did it for five. Wow. Was there food or did you just have Mickey Mouse uh, show food, up? Cake, food, uh, cake, had a DJ, had, had everything. 5,000 bucks. Was there, yeah. what, what was the food? Uh, a lot of finger food stuff. Okay. What else is in the news? Uh, According to a survey of 5,000 employees conducted by consulting firm Grant Thornton, 21% of American workers took a new gig in the last year, but 40% of that group is actively looking for another job compared to 29% of all full-time employees, revealing some significant buyer's remorse among job jumpers. Okay. So what we've got is we got 21%. Okay. So we're going to do some math on the radio here. Let's say there's 100 people surveyed. 21 people got a new job. Okay. Yes. And then eight of those people, yeah, eight and a half, yeah. got another job. I they're actively looking for oh, another job. Oh, they're actively already. looking for another job. So yeah. there you see some ragrat. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it. Hmm. That's compared to just twenty nine percent of all full time employees. Oh, so just okay, okay, gotcha. So, so the people, people who, who have left cha- yeah. got it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
I so think grass that, isn't gotta always think, greener. No, I got You got to think at any given time, a quarter of people have their ears and eyes peeled for other opportunities, right? Oh yeah, I mean uh, sites like LinkedIn, and uh, it just makes it too easy anymore. Mm. What else is the news? Shrinkflation, Peter. Are you familiar with shrinkflation? Uh, I because I read an article on it this week that I was hoping you'd bring to the show. Okay, uh, shrinkflation—the phenomenon of companies shrinking the size of their products while keeping prices the same or even increasing them—is on the rise worldwide. Items like toilet paper, Gatorade, even serving sizes at restaurants are losing mass in waves due to inflation. Uh, for instance, Gatorade ditched the 32-ounce bottles for 28-ounce bottles. Mm-hmm. Kleenex shrunk the number of tissues in a small box from 65 to 60. Folgers downside from 51 ounces to 43.5-ounce containers. The bet behind shrinkflation is that consumers will prefer a slightly shrunken product over a slightly embiggened tab, or they won't notice altogether. So while the practice is a time-tested method of dealing with the wholesale price shifts, the recent rapid widespread increase in the cost of raw materials, shipping, and food has caused a tidal wave of shrinkflation to hit the shelves. I'm going to lob a bomb here. Mm. I have on no authority other than own personal experience that Reese's Cups have gotten markedly smaller over the last 10 to 15 years. Really? I don't know whether that's true. Maybe my maybe as I've grown as an adult, I'm getting bigger and it's yeah. staying the same size. But I'm pretty convinced when you're a kid, I just feel like the Reese's Cup had more surface area and now it feels shrunk down. Do you, do you consume a lot of Reese's Cups? No, I we uh, we love the uh, the Reese's eggs. Everyone does. around Easter, everyone does. Uh, but I I, um, I don't usually eat a lot of full size Reese's cups outside of the 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 Easter egg season. Is there anything else that you notice from a consumer standpoint that you've seen shrink that you, that, that you've actually really noticed? Nothing that I can put my finger on, but I will say that I have thought in the back of my mind that things seem smaller recently. I noticed that bacon used to sell by the pound, but bacon mm-hmm. always sells at 12 ounces now. 12 ounces. Always. Yep. And so that's that's shrinkflation. Sure. Yeah, but it's delicious. Oh, it's delicious. Dame, I don't know if there'll be a show next week because I we could either record it early or I could do it in my hotel room in Salt Lake City. Ooh. I read an article this week that Salt Lake is evaporating and there's arsenic in the air, so I may not even make it back. And I'm going to be with Aqua Greg, and so who, and he'll be fine because he's hydrated. That's right. Yeah, he's he's great. He's tall too, so I mean that arsenic's going yeah. right down his pipes. All right, Dame. Uh, good to be back with you. Um, this was this was a thing, so I'm really glad we did it. Uh, yeah. Sitting to everybody else, good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Pete the Planner Show. You got to get a Greg reference in there because he listens to the podcast. And so he gets really excited when. Okay, let me tell you about this, though. You like a Philly cheesesteak, Dame? Mm, mm-hmm. Okay. What are you. No judgment here on you. How. What are you putting on a Philly cheesesteak? Like, what, what is on it for you? Uh, beef, peppers, onions, provolone. Um, I, I, just the the basic cheesesteak I okay. love. So, uh, all right. I think mayo is acceptable. I think lettuce okay. and tomato, maybe, sure. Aqua Greg puts mustard on his Philly cheesesteak. And I think that's just, I mean, look, there's a lot of problems in this world, but that's near the top of the list. Did he go to Philly one time and have some whiz and think it was mustard and just that's what he's he's going with now? That's an interesting question. I'm going to have to ask him, but... I mean, I know everyone's different, but that seems like a character flaw. I don't. I, I think it ceases to be a Philly cheesesteak if you put mustard on it. I don't know. I'm going to say there's a place that we ordered cheesesteak from, which is why I probably am so unhealthy. Um, I'm going to get mustard next time just so I can try it and and see what happens. But it seems. You know, so just regular yellow mustard. Yeah, or you go fancy. No, okay. oh, that's a good question. I, I would assume just regular. I don't know. Anyway, Dame, um, 
anything else you want to offer us right now? I have to shoot a video uh, on the teleprompter today. So I got to, you know. I will note that our our friend of the show, Lisa, has family in Philly. And she absolutely states unequivocally that you do not put mayo or mustard on cheesesteaks. That came through the Slack? Yeah. Well, to me directly, not to you. All right. Yeah. I mean, what's the cuisine like in Salt Lake City? Have you been to Salt Lake City? Never been. I haven't either. I don't know what to expect. Probably not much caffeine. Uh, not a lot of booze. Not a lot of booze. I don't want to yeah. be like give stereotypes, but I feel like I've heard there's not a lot of booze and there's not a lot of caffeine, but I don't know. Like, is it, do they have like a local, like in Indiana, you pork tenderloin sandwich is the jam. You know, right. there's got to be something. You'll Almost find done. a way to make this a culinary delight. I just know you will. Oh, well, we'll see what happens. I feel like there's going to be like a thousand Chick-fil-A's. Uh, maybe, maybe. I mean, it's, there are worse things, frankly. I mean, I, I'd, I'd go to Chick-fil-A if, if that was my only option multiple times a day. Dama, since uh, the ladies are out of town tonight, I thought it'd be cool, Dad. So I'm taking Ted and one of his buddies to play laser tag tonight and then play video games at the laser tag place. And what occurred to me is that they'll be doing that, but there's not like like the parent that takes them. Like, I'll just be a guy scrolling through my phone. I'm not playing laser tag with them. What? You absolutely have to. You think so? Yes. You just said you want to try and be the cool dad, so you're going to go and just sit? No, you scrap I... on a vest and pick up a rifle and go shoot those kids with a laser. Oh, boy. I don't know if it's my jam. I don't want to spend 20 bucks with a laser. Let's say they just shoot you. They're going to love it. Uh, anyway, cool I'll be dad. scrolling on my cool phone. Dad. I, I have my limits. Uh, goodbye, everyone. Um, stay getting money.